0: podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Well, good morning, church family. Good to see you all. We're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12 here this morning. And for those of you that are Uh, guest here with us. Uh, We are so glad that you're able to join with us. And we have been working our way through uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12 because we've been looking at uh, what Scripture teaches about uh, concerning spiritual gifts. And we've covered several different passages. We've gone through uh, Ephesians 4, and now we are in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 here. And uh, so since we've been talking here about uh, spiritual gifts, uh, I thought it'd be good again to remind us about our definition of spiritual gifts and what spiritual gifts are. And spiritual gifts are the channels by which God's grace comes to the church for the purpose of edifying the believer, maturing the church, and glorifying God. And in 1 Corinthians 12, as we've been working our way uh, through several portions of this text here, Paul is trying to teach the Corinthian believers here and us really about unity. Uh, And it is this unity that we should be striving for, um, and it's really needed, so that way the whole church can be edified, because if there's no unity there, then the church is not going to be able to be edified uh, by the spiritual gifts through one another and as we've already seen disunity and division are really the spiritual marks of this church Um, paul has had to basically really go back to square one and start to deal with uh, things that were going on in the church Uh, he had to remind them of what true spirituality was because this church had a false spirituality Um, They were using the spiritual gifts in such a way uh, that they were promoting a false spirituality. We saw that in verses uh, 1 through 3. That false spirituality was fed by their pride and arrogance with the misuse of the spiritual gifts, as we saw in verses 4 through 6. And they also had a complete misunderstanding of how the Spirit uh, really manifests Himself when He desires through the spiritual gifts, as we saw in verses 7 through 11. And if you can remember, the, the Spirit of God manifests Himself through spiritual gifts when he desires it's not at our will it's not at our whim it is through uh, his desire and all of this really has now set the stage for us to look at the remainder of this chapter is what we're going to be looking at here and uh, Paul is really driving towards these spiritual gifts which are given for the purpose of unity so that the body can be edified so here's what I'd like for you to take away with you today Unity only comes through being, participating, and serving the body of Christ. Unity only comes through being, participating, and serving the body of Christ. Now, this passage that we're going to be looking at in verses 12 through 31 is all about the body. Um, It talks about the various body parts uh, that uh, we can uh, make mention of, is what Paul tries to do so with. Um, And you see that the term body, as we'll be reading through here, Uh, it's introduced in verse 12, and then Paul repeatedly uses this word body 18 more times throughout the passage that we're going to be looking at. And so he's really trying to help us understand that the church is Christ's body and that this imagery is instructive as to the nature and the function of the church. So if we miss that, if we miss understanding what Paul is saying about that the church is Christ's body, then we're missing really what uh, he's trying to get across to us of how unity works within the church. So let's read uh, this passage here, taking note of the imagery that Paul uses here to drive home some spiritual truths about unity. So here we are in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. uh, We're going to read through verse 31. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which our more presentable parts do not require? And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And so we see some interesting things here about the body that uh, Paul is going to talk about. And I, and I want to give you four principles that I think we can really pull out of this uh, passage here concerning how we can have unity in the body of Christ. There is a uh, story, um, not so much of, of how true it is, but there was a story of a man that was out cutting uh, trees and uh, he was by himself and as he cut a tree um, he didn't really think that the tree was going to fall the way that it fell and it actually pinned him, pinned his, uh, pinned his body and he really couldn't uh, get away. And realizing that help was not going to come, he proceeded then to uh, take the chainsaw and start it up and proceeded to cut off his legs so he could be free from the, the tree. Now, it's interesting, we think about that, that in dire times, this man realized and said, hey, I need to cut off my part of my body because uh, I'm trapped and there's nothing more than I can do. Now, I don't think any of us in here would think in ourselves, hey, I'm just going to go and cut off a part of my body because I feel that I don't need it. Unfortunately, uh, in our society today that is plagued with a bunch of craziness, we have people that do that, Right? feel that they don't need certain parts of their body, so they want to cut them off. Uh, Those people are obviously mentally ill, and they need some help. Uh, But here, Paul is talking about these Corinthians, and they've kind of adopted this view in their minds that there are certain parts of the body within the church that they think are not needed. And so, in a sense, they've grabbed their spiritual chainsaw and uh, started it up. And have begun to amputate certain parts of the body that they think are not needed. And even so much so that they think that they themselves are more important than others. And so they therefore cut themselves off from the body of Christ. And say, I'm more important and I really don't need you. And so Paul's really trying to deal with all of those things there. And so if we want to have unity, here's some things that uh, I think we can look at concerning Unity in the body and how to have it. So, number one, pursue unity through the body of Christ. One of the serious problems that was facing the Corinthian church is disunity. This church is just filled with it. I mean, it's evident as Paul begins uh, writing to them in the very first chapters there. Um, He doesn't hesitate to bring up the problem of their divisions in the church uh, we see that in uh, verse, uh, verse 10 in chapter 1. These divisions are certainly related to allegiances to certain leaders. You know, I'm of Paul, I'm Paulus, I'm of so and so, I'm a so and so. And they, they really looked at themselves as being separate from one another instead of unified uh, with each other. Uh, they're also tied to what we might call strengths and weaknesses. We see that in uh, verse 18 to 31, chapter 1. The divisions are so intense in this church that they have even resulted in lawsuits uh, by bringing each other before secular courts because they cannot work out their problems with each other. They decide to go to court and sue one another, as we see in chapter 6, verse number 1. There's a kind of rugged individualism which then as now prompts many to seek their own interest even at the expense of... Of fellow believers. Uh, So they say, I am so important that, you know, I really don't need you, so I'm going to go do my own thing, right? This is is their attitude of how that they are approaching uh, one another within the church. Um, The Corinthian Christian who thinks he is wise and knows so much is the one who believes he is free to participate even in heathen idol worship, Uh, as we see in many of the other passages here. And he does this without any concern that his doing so might cause another saint to stumble, as we see in chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Paul really wants the Corinthians to stop thinking and acting as rugged individualists and to begin to act with a sense of corporate identity and responsibility. In athletic terms... Paul wants the Corinthians to begin to think and behave like a team. Uh, some of you guys in here that maybe like watching some of those like sports movies. Um, I, I just was watching one uh, probably a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's it's a favorite of mine. But it's Glory Road, uh, where the guy starts uh, the, uh, the 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 um, uh, goes to the basketball plays university basketball, and uh, he starts like five uh, black. Basketball players, and it really upsets the whole um, uh, game of things like that. And and you see how how much he strives to help get that team working together to have to have unity as as they're playing. And so Paul is is kind of really trying to drive this truth home that you need to stop being an individual and you need to work together to bring about unity in the body. It's not about you, it's not about me, but it's about Christ, and it's about glorifying Christ, and it's about edifying one another as we have the spiritual gifts. And so Paul wants the Corinthians to begin to think and behave like a team rather than some kind of spiritual lone ranger uh, out there and trying to do their own thing. And so Paul gives this illustration of the church as a body to help them understand how the spiritual gifts need to work. Now, take a look at verse number 13 uh, here in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says here, he says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into how many bodies? One body, So, Paul reminds his readers that individual members are baptized into this one body the body of Christ, the church. And our our membership in Christ's body begins at the time we are saved. And so if you do not know Christ as your Savior, you're not a member of the body of Christ. You are outside of the body of Christ. You are an alien, as what Scripture teaches. You're without hope. You're under God's condemnation and wrath. And so the only way that you could have uh, peace with God, the only way that you could have forgiveness of sins is for you to be brought into the body of Christ. And that happens uh, when we repent of our sin and we follow Jesus. So we believe in Christ as the only way of salvation. And so we are brought into that body of Christ. And notice what he says here he says that we are baptized by the Spirit. And so it's the work of the Holy Spirit who baptizes us into the church by identifying us with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Next week, i uh, going to have uh, two girls that are going to make profession of their faith in Christ. And we have that baptism. Now, that baptism doesn't wash away their sins. It doesn't make them any more uh, standing in favor with God. But it's a picture of what has already happened spiritually in their heart that christ came and he died for them and he was buried and he resurrected and so they are baptized into the death and burial of resurrection of christ and so paul is trying to remind them says hey listen you have been baptized into the body of christ and that is through the work of the holy spirit And so what Paul emphasizes about this spirit baptism is the unity which God brings from such great diversity among those united with the church, the body of Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is his body. Every believer, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, is joined to the body of Christ by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is one body into which every saint is baptized. There is but one people of God. The distinction between Jew and Gentile is abolished in Christ. Turn with me over to uh, the book of Ephesians here real quick. So you're in Corinthians, Uh, go to Galatians, and then you find the book of Ephesians. Listen to how Paul describes this for us in greater detail. Ephesians chapter 2, look with me in verse number 11. Paul is reminding the believers here at Ephesus. He says, therefore, Ephesians 2, verse number 11, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from God, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Hostility, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father." And so this idea of the church as a body of Christ is really the whole emphasis of the unity of all believers. Uh, You're there in Ephesians. Look uh, real quick now also in Ephesians 4. Paul says some things about this. He continues, uh, Ephesians 4, verse number 3. He says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace... Here it is, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And so, Paul is really trying to help us understand this unity and connection to the body of Christ and so can I ask you this? Do you see how evil it is that when we take a spirit in ourselves of, "I'm more important than you are, of how evil and damaging that is to the body of Christ? And that's what was going on here in the uh, the church at Corinth. They had this false spirituality that they were so important than everybody else. And so they said, "Hey, We don't need you. We got it all figured out. I'm just gonna do my own thing over here, right? And that's what was going on. So this is why it's important that we strive for unity in the body. And that only happens by being part of the body of Christ. And so if we're not careful, we can participate in the same divisive and evil patterns as well, when we think we are better than others in the body of Christ. My identity and your identity, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, our identity is found in Jesus Christ because we are part of his body. My righteousness is Christ's righteousness. His death is mine. His resurrection, new life are mine. And if you want to have a good, thorough mind-cleansing, a mind-scrubbing of this air of superiority, right, just read Romans chapter 6, right? Like, get a, get a good handle of, of the fact that, you know, what Christ did for us by, by, through his death and his burial and his resurrection and who we are now in Jesus. And so we should never think uh, only of ourselves as an individual Christian. Rather, I must perceive myself as a part of the church, the body of Christ. To identify with Christ by faith is also to identify with his body the church and just as a wife you know merges you know her life with her husbands right the two will become one Uh, we as ourselves we should never think of ourselves as an individual but we are one together with the body and so we ought to be striving for that and pursuing after that pursuing unity So pursue unity through the body of Christ. Here's a second principle that we see here. Secondly, participate in unity by being a member of the body. We need to remember that this church is blessed with many gifts, many gifts. In fact, they claim to have all the spiritual gifts as uh, what uh, Paul made mention of in uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. Yet with all these gifts, only a very select few gifts are valued in their minds. From what we gather in Paul's writings, the speaking gifts such as word of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy and tongues were really of the most value to the to the church. I mean, this is the ones that they valued the most. They said, these are the ones that are so important. Everybody else, hey, eh, you're not that important, okay? So from what we see, those who possess the greater gifts in their minds were those who tried to dominate the church and consider everyone else who did not have these gifts to be of lesser value or not needed. Now, take a look with me again at 1 Corinthians 12, and look what he says in verse 14. He says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now, I don't think really you have to be a, a doctor or have to go to medical school to know that, right? I mean, all of us can kind of see that bodies are made up of several different members, but yet it all functions as one. You know, of all the uh, organs and things that we have in our body, you know the five most vital ones that we need in order to survive, we can't live without them. I mean, we need our brain, we need our heart, we need our, our lungs, uh, need our kidneys, right? These are, these are vital, important organs that we need in order to survive, to live. And so if we don't have certain things, then you know, we're not going to be able to survive, but they are needed. And so if we're going to have unity, we need to participate uh, by being a member of the body. Um, so he says here, he's trying to help us understand, he's trying to drive home a spiritual truth to them. And the, here it is, unity is evident when we participate in the body as a member. Paul, in fact, goes on to illustrate how this truth can be denied. Take a look at verses uh, 15 through 16. He says here, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand." I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. You see, those who view a particular gift or uh, as a standard of, of spirituality in this church might wrongly conclude that because they do not possess this gift, they likewise have nothing to contribute to the church body. And so every member of the body is important. And so just because one may not have a particular function like the others, we should never think, well, I'm not as important. Can I tell you, you are actually very vitally important to the function of the body. Paul deals with those who seem to suffer from a spiritual inferiority complex. If they cannot be what others think they should be and what they themselves desperately wish to be, then they will not consider themselves a part in the first place. These individuals are dissatisfied with the way things are and really decide to leave. They say, I don't need you anymore. Bye. And that's usually what happens. In body terminology, the foot says, if I can't be a hand, then I'll just not be a part of the body at all. I have nothing to contribute. The ear feels similarly about not being an eye. When I think of this, I think of Mr. Potato Head. Did you ever play with Mr. Potato Head? You know, there's certain places where those body parts go, right? I mean... Can you imagine putting the the hand where the eye is supposed to go? Or sometimes we put the eyeball where the mouth is, you know, and then we laugh about it. We put the eyeballs on top of the head, right? It's really goofy and weird. But in order to have a Mr. Potato Head, you gotta have all of the body parts there. Um, If you try to buy a Mr. Potato Head and it's missing a hand and a leg or, you know, and the lips or whatever, you probably won't wanna buy it. You want the whole thing, you want the whole package. And so Paul is trying to help them understand this. If the church has its way, the entire body would just be one organ. You realize how crazy and ludicrous that would look? Can you imagine just a set of eyeballs up here all by itself? Or how about a hand? You know, like, uh, remember, uh, what was it, the Adams family? You know? hand, walking around, doing whatever. I mean, that's weird, right? Very strange. But Paul really wants to show how foolish this would be. Look at verses 17 and 18. This is what he says. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose in physical terms can you imagine the whole church being an eye it might see very well but it would have great difficulty smelling anything without a nose the body needs many different members with many different functions because the body has a great many needs great many needs you know we just heard uh one of our other elders here uh talked about a need that's in that is needed in the body, our local body here, right? And all of us can participate and help with that need in some way, right? And so that helps provide the need of a body, and so you might think, well, I'm not as important because I don't have this, but wait a minute, it's all about the body working together to fulfill certain needs. Repeatedly throughout chapter 12, Paul emphasizes that the body is one, but the members are many. We see that in verse 12, 13, 14, 18, 20, and verse 27. You see, Christian unity does not flow from uniformity. God has not made us cookie cutter Christians. And thank God for that, right? Aren't you glad that there's not another Mike Bird in the world? Praise God for that. Man, my wife would go crazy. And so God makes us unique and separate and he tempers, he brings the body, he arranges the body together in a certain way because he knows that there are certain needs in the body that can only be met by those within that body. While there is but one body, there are many different members, many different limbs and organs, each of which has a unique role to play in the body And Paul emphasizes that while there is but one body, there are many different members, each with a unique role to play, a role essential to the health and the ministry of the body. The body is not composed of one member, one gift, or one ministry, but many. And as a member of the church, the body of Christ, we find that we are part of a much greater whole. We belong to an organism whose head is Christ. Me nor any of the other elders here are the head of this church. Jesus Christ is. He's the one that's in charge. He's the one that directs this church. And we are just simple, supposed to be servant leaders who are supposed to guide and shepherd the church. But we're not the ones that are in charge. Jesus is, and so Christ is the head. And whose function is to represent Christ to a fallen world as a member of the church. We should be doing that. We also find our true identity as an individual. The body imagery illustrates the individuality of every Christian. Each believer is in body terms, an individual organ or member. Each believer is uniquely gifted with a blending of spiritual functions and and gifts to be able to function within the body. No two saints have the same place in the body, and so each believer is unique. In one sense, the Christian is inseparably joined to the whole body, and in another, each believer is absolutely unique in the body. We have our identity with Christ's body and in his body. Now, I want you to notice the placement of each body member in the body of Christ. Take a look at verse number 11. Notice what Paul writes here. He says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Look at verse number 18. He says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. And also look at verse number 28. He says, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongue. And so each member is placed in the body of Christ through a sovereign appointment. God does it. It's by his choosing, through his direction in all of it. And so our unique place and function within the body of Christ is not a matter of our choice. It's not a matter of merit or our part, but it's a matter of sovereign grace. God has placed us within the body to perform the function for which he has divinely enabled us to do. Now listen how this union with Christ's body shapes Paul's view of his own ministry, particularly in his sufferings. Uh, Listen to what he has to say in uh, the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number one, Paul writes this. Verse number 24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. You see that? You see how Paul says, Hey, I'm a part of this? It's not just me, it's not all about me, all eyes on me. He says, It's for Christ and his body. That is the church which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so Paul says, I, I, I identify with Christ, I identify with, with his body, and so he's inseparably joined to the body of Christ, and he views his ministry as Christ's ministry. He views his sufferings uh, as Christ's sufferings, and he knows that God uses all of this for uh, God's glory. He actually sums this up in verse 21. He says, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And so if we want to have unity, if we want to be participating in unity, we have to be participating as a member of the body of Christ. Here's a third thing that Paul makes mention of here. Practice unity through your unique giftedness as one of the many members. Most of the Corinthian Christians want to be something that they are not. The foot says, I want to be a hand. The ear says, hey, I, I want to be an eye. The matter of spiritual gifts and placement in the body of Christ is not a matter over which we have control. Our spiritual gifts, our place of service in the body, and the results of our ministry are all divinely determined by God. And so God designs the church as a body with these many members and each with its own unique function. And so we have to practice our spiritual gifts within the body. We have to use it, just like how you use your hands. I think it's said that in order to become a master at a a certain skill, I think you have to, uh, I think it's like 10,000 hours to do so, right? to to become a master at a certain skill. Um, People that play guitar or bass or some musical instrument, they have used their fingers in such a way so much that calluses have built up on their hands, their fingers, and there's muscle memory. And that's the reason why they can do it. They take the guitar and play it over their head, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. How did they do that? They've practiced, they've used their, these, uh, these skills and abilities in such a way that they're able to do so. And so if we want to have unity, we need to practice uh, using these unique, our unique giftedness as one of the many members in Christ. And the purpose for God designing the body of Christ in this way is to promote unity, not disunity. Because if you remember what he says in uh, verse number 25, he says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And so God has created the body with various members, none of which can function without the support of the rest of the body. All the members of the body should thus have the same care for one another uh, in the body. And so whatever affects one member of the body should affect the whole, in a sense. When you stub your uh, toe, what do you do? Some of you cuss. But what do we do, right? There, there's, there's a whole body reaction that takes place. And we just it's just our little pinky toe that we stubbed. It's not that big of a deal, right? No, it really is. Our whole body participates in all of this. When we're sick, right? Our whole body participates in, in all of that. And it should be the same as the body of Christ. In order to have unity, uh, we should all be participating. And so whatever affects one member... It should affect all of us. When one member suffers, it, we all should be suffering. When all, when one member is honored, we all should be on, be participating in that. When one member uh, is rejoicing, we all should be rejoicing together. And so, the church, the body of Christ, is designed in such a way that each member is interdependent upon every member. Take a look at verse 27. Do you see the you there? Notice what he says. Now, you are the body of Christ and individual, individually members of it. The word you there uh, is actually plural. You. You all together. Y'all. Okay? Y'all together. Right? Y'all are part of the body of Christ, and every individual Corinthian uh, saint is a member of the body and so when one is discontent with the gifts he or she has given, that individual's protest is against the Holy Spirit of God, the sovereign giver of gifts. And so to question either the Spirit's goodness or His infinite wisdom in giving us these gifts is really an insult to God. Because we're saying, we know better than you, God. We got it figured out. We're smarter than you are. I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing something else. And... Uh, we, we really miss what God has for us. And so the spirit knows what the whole body needs far better than we do. And so those who mistake gifts as an evidence of spirituality, as what these Corinthians were doing, um, were really wrong. They were using them as a status symbol within the church, and they, they shouldn't be doing that, and neither should we. We should never view somebody as more spiritual, just because they have a certain spiritual gift, or they're more visible, we should never view them as being more spiritual. Um, We have to remember that God gives these gifts for the common good, uh, for, for the edification of the church. So let's look at the last thing here. Preserve unity by honoring the lesser and weaker vessel, parts of the body. Now here's the real surprise of this text. The imagery of the body amazingly illustrates that the most visible, most attractive parts of the body are not the most important. Paul makes that abundantly clear uh, within this text when he's talking about the body. The, this body principle that he talks about really overturns what they thought. And is that, is that not what God always does, right? Like, remember when Jesus said, like, If you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, you're going to have to be what? The servant of all, right? You're going to have to be the least. You're going to have to be the servant of all. Remember what he said? The first shall be what? Last. The last shall be first. So there is this principle that Paul's trying to help us understand. In order to have unity, we have to understand that the the visible ones, the ones that are out in front, they are not really the most important. It's usually the ones that aren't seen the ones that are hidden. He says those are the vital parts. Like, think about it. Does anybody have their heart on their outside, wearing your heart on your outside? How about your spleen? Your intestines? Right? Kidneys? I mean, they're just kind of outside? No. They're inside. Can't see them. Do we ever sell any uh, products and we say, Hey, by the way, Ladies, you need to get this uh, cream for your kidneys. It'll make your kidneys look new. Don't do that. What's the emphasis on? It's always on the external, on the outside. What do we put on our fingers? Rings. We dress them up, wear watches, wear necklaces, we put earrings in our ears guys do too sometimes, right? Sometimes we have them in our noses, right? We we dress up certain parts of the body, but the vital organs, the ones that are not seen are really the most important. And Paul's trying to help us understand that we need to show honor to those members of the body that are not as visible, that are not as uh, seen uh, in there. Take a look again at verses uh, 22 through 24. Notice what Paul says. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are are treated with greater honor modesty, which are more presentable parts, do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. And so we need to remember that the most important gifts, like the most important organs, are those which are not visible or spectacular, those of which we we are the, the, of, of least conscious about, right? I mean, do we, ever, do we ever get up in the morning and go, man, I really hope my intestines look good today. We don't do that. I mean, we spend more time on the external. And so this is something that I think is important. If we want to have unity, we need to preserve unity by honoring the lesser and weaker parts of the body. Uh, because in truth, they really are the most vital members of the body. Paul assures his readers that to a much greater degree the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those gifts which seem to seem weak only appear to be weak. Those gifts which appear to be powerful, impressive, are not as significant as they appear. And so the most necessary gifts are those which we might be least likely to desire or to appreciate. The gift of mercy. These bread and butter gifts that Paul talks about, right in Romans twelve. So it's important that we keep that principle, and I and I think that our Lord Jesus really embodied this truth very well. Listen to how he is described in Scripture. Isaiah 42, 1-4, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. Isaiah 53, 1-3, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. And I believe that this is how we should live our lives as well. Listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians one twenty-six to 26-31. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world which of the world and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are that by, that no man should boast before God, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so I think this is a principle that we need to live by, to not always have the attention upon us, but that we should be looking towards the rest of the body, and saying, how can I serve the body? How can I serve the body? How can I use the spiritual gifts that God has given me to serve the body? And I believe this will bring unity within the church. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church